My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Now, this passage in John is one of the seven I am sayings. If you're taking notes, here's your Greek and Hebrew for the day. When Moses is standing in front of the burning bush and God says, go to my people in Egypt, he says, what name shall I give? And do you remember God says, I am that I am. And in Hebrew, that word is Yahweh. Uh, The German translators took the letters from the word Yahweh and the vowels from the word Adonai, put them together, and that's where we get the word Jehovah. Jehovah is not a Hebrew word. It is a compilation of Yahweh and Adonai put together. They did that so that nobody would ever take the name of the Lord in vain. Makes sense. Now, when they were translating the Hebrew into the Greek, and Kim asked about this in Sunday school, in the Septuagint, they had to find a way to translate I am who I am. And I'm sorry to say, it sounds very much like a breakfast food. It's ego ami. Ego ami in Greek says, I am. So seven times in the book of John, Jesus says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. We read that last week. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the last time he says it is in this discourse when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, I'm sure you were counting how many times he said abide, but I'll help you out. In the first 11 verses, Jesus says, abide 10 times. Now, I don't know about you, but when my mom said something to me 10 times, either I wasn't listening or it was very important, or I was listening and it was still very important. Now, my family has asked me to only ever put two Greek words in a sermon, so here's your second Greek word. Menate, M-E-I-N-A-T-E, means abide. Now, it's one of those multi-layered words. Uh, If you look it up in your Greek dictionary, it's got a bunch of meanings, and here they are. Abide can mean sojourn, tarry, remain, to continue to be present, to endure, to persevere, or to remain as one. If I were translating and I wanted to get that message, Abide has the feeling of a warm bed on a cold morning. You are inside that, co- that warm bed, the comforter's on top, and you just never want to leave. Because you know when you get out of bed and put your feet on that floor, it's going to be cold. There's comfort there. There's safety there. There's warmth there. There's love there. Right? I don't want to leave. That's what Jesus says. Abide in me. Wrap me around yourself like a warm comforter. Now, I've never read it translated that way. Maybe we'll have to start our own and do the Madison translation. I don't think so, but there are three R's, and and these are just to get your brain going. We need to realize his presence. We need to respond to his prodding and rest in his peace. That's what abide means. Let me say that again. We need to realize his presence. 
Sometimes people live as though God isn't really there. They acknowledge him, but then they live as if he's not there. The second step is we we respond to his pruning and prodding. Jesus said, I'm the vine, but my father is the vine dresser. Now, if you were to drive by the the vineyards near my house in Mullica Hill, right now you wonder what's going on because they have trimmed the vines all the way down. They're only about this tall and they haven't really started growing yet. Now, what I learned, because I ask questions and I usually start off with, I'm not as smart as the other people in the group here. Can you help me understand? And if you start your sentence off that way, people are often very willing to help you. I was once lost in Walmart. I wasn't really lost, but if you've ever shopped for cameras in Walmart, they're in three different places. I found a nice little Walmart lady and I said, I am not as smart as the other Walmart customers. Can you help me? Darn if she didn't take my hand and lead me to the place where I needed to be, right? So let's admit, we're not as smart as the vine dresser. So what you learn is grapes cannot grow on old growth. So if it grows up this year and it makes grapes, hot diggity dog. Now you would think, well, let's just let it keep growing and you'll get more grapes. No, the grapes will not grow on the part that's already produced grapes. It'll only produce grapes on new growth. So they actually look like they're killing off the vines because they chopped them all the way down because they don't want any old growth. That's wasted energy, wasted sap, wasted sunshine, and wasted water. So the message to the believer is this. Abide in my word. Abide in my worship. Abide in my work. And abide in prayer. And we today have to ask the question, how are we doing So years ago, the Tournament Roses of Parade had the Standard Oil Company's float. Now, only some of us remember Standard Oil. Now it's Chevron, but it was the Standard Oil float. And in the middle of the parade, this beautiful float with flowers stopped, came to a grinding halt. And the parade had to stop with it because the float was not moving. What happened? It ran out of gas. The directors of the Chevron float had done everything well, but they had neglected to avail themselves of their company's vast resources of oil. The parade waited until somebody ran and got a can of gas. Too often this happens to Christians. And the churches break down right in the middle of the parade. And while I know it's impossible for the entire kingdom of God to be held up while a deacon goes to fetch some gasoline or the gospel, I fear that it's possible and I wonder what God might think when we neglect the source of our strength and power. See, there's really four things here. One is this. We all know that a home-prepared meal without preservatives or chemicals or an abundance of salt is healthier. Does not, because we know that. Home cooking is the best. However, sometimes we don't have the time to prepare or eat healthy. And again, you have to nod. Yes, we've all been there. Or sometimes I'll come home from a day with the kids and Vicki will be just getting up from bed after having worked all night and we look at each other and she says, you want to cook? I say, nope. You want to cook? She says, nope. And then what do we do? We go out for something to eat. Now, you can grab a quick and delicious meal at McDonald's 
or Wendy's or Burger King or Taco Bell or Popeye's or Five Guys or any chain restaurant. But you can't live on it. It's fast food. It's got chemicals. It's got preservatives. It's got more salt in your french fries than you're supposed to eat in a week. Now, we know that you can't live on it because a man named Morgan Spurlock, you might remember that name, decided that he was going to eat McDonald's three times a day for a month. Do you remember this? He made a movie about it called Supersize Me. Now, he went to the doctor before he started, and the doctor said he was in above average health for a man his age and height. Okay, and the doctor said at the beginning, I, I don't think that there'll be many changes. Your body should be able to handle this change. And the rules were that he would eat at McDonald's three times a day, every day for 30 days, and that he would try every menu item at least once. And there was one other rule, which is the title of the movie. He would only supersize it if the person behind the counter said... Do you want to supersize? It happened fairly regularly, and after five days, he gained nine pounds. After 30 days, he gained 24 pounds, which, by the way, it took him 14 months to lose. His cholesterol soared to 230, and in day 21, he was admitted to the hospital with heart palpitations. Psychologically, he had mood swings, depression, lack of libido, and headaches. You can't live on fast food. So then, church, I have to say that sometimes I think that people pull into the church and they go to the take-up window and they say, I'll take a worship with the side of Jesus. And they get their little bag and off they go. And they try to live on that for a week. Now, there there are five kinds in my book of spiritual eaters. There are the nibblers. I have a child who's a nibbler. I don't think I ever see her eat a complete meal. But she's always nibbling. Only when she's hungry, and she'll eat a little bit when she's hungry. Now, she'll tell you she's eating healthy food, but uh, she's a nibbler or a grazer. The next one is a snacker. And they really only eat when they're bored. You know, like, they're the people who always get up during the commercials and go to the kitchen. Right? Right? There's nothing to do. I don't, I don't want to watch another commercial about whatever. And they're just making that trip because they're bored. Some people come to church because, well, what else is there to do on a Sunday morning? They eat when they're bored and between meals. Now, I made this one up. I made them all up, but I made this one up. There's the hamster. We had a hamster named General Custard. I passed a law in our house that you could never have an animal named after a person. And someday asked me about Keith the Iguana, and I'll tell you, it's a long story. But the rule was you could only name them after historical figures. We had a goldfish named General Schwarzkopf. I mean, so General Custer was a hamster. And one day I hear the boys laughing in the room. Now, if two little boys are laughing all by themselves, chances are they're not doing something little boys are supposed to do. They had gotten a box of hamster treats. They looked like little Cheerios. And the hamster had eaten his meal, and they would drop one in, and the hamster would run over, pick it up, and put it in his cheeks. 
And he had like 10 of these things and his cheeks were looking like they were going to explode. But hamsters have no self-control. And every time they dropped one in, he would shove it in his cheeks. Well, there's some people that like to do that. Well, you know what? I'll go to church for the holidays. I'll go, you know, for Advent and Christmas, and I'll go for Lent and Easter, and I'll, I'll store it up like a German. I'll, I'll get the word of God, and then that'll last me from April until November. We have spiritual hamsters who find good food and then store it up for the winter. Then there's forgetful Phil. I have a friend who forgets to eat. I'm like, how do you forget to eat? My stomach reminds me every five hours, and that's part of being diabetic. I've trained it. Every five hours, I'm allowed to eat, and every five hours, my stomach says, oh, by the way, Madison, you're allowed to eat. But there are people who forget to eat. Maybe they've got something else going on on a Sunday or a Thursday or when they're doing their daily Bible study, and they just keep moving it aside. They forget to eat or they're too busy to eat. And then, my friends, there is the dietitian's dream. And they eat three healthy meals a day. That's where Jesus is headed. He wants us to be plugged in, wrapped around, abiding in him, diving into the word of God. In my experience, most Americans are using the church as a spiritual drive through they say, I'll have a worship. I'll have worship with the side of Jesus. Well, what's the solution? The solution is this. First, we need to make a commitment to daily Bible study. When we did the announcements today, they skipped over the slide, but we're studying how to study the Bible in Bible school. And if nobody's ever taught you that, I'd love for you to come and dive in with us. There are really 12 different ways to study the Bible to meet your needs spiritually at different times in your life. Daily prayer. You have to talk to God daily. The vine doesn't just plug in and then unplug and then plug in and unplug. The vine is connected to the branches. The third thing is, we, we do this at camp. I need you to practice God sightings. Uh, just before the speaker, and that's me, at, at summer camp, the MC will get up and go, are there any God sightings? Now, we have to make some rules because these are kids doing construction. And they'll say, like, my youth leader almost died. We don't want to know that. But did you see the hand of God? And sometimes we're in the mountains of West Virginia. And if you've ever looked at a sunrise or a sunset or even just the sun on the clouds and the mountains, it's stunning. How can you not look at that and not know that there is a creator? Sometimes they'll pray with a homeowner or somebody will stop by and go, what are you all doing here? And they get to share the gospel because somebody wondered what all these kids with matching t-shirts are doing on the roof of the house. But we train them to look for God working in your life every day. Because guess what? God works in your life every day. And you need to take time to look for that. And the last thing, and, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say it out loud and it's going to offend people who aren't Christians. You need to talk about it. We need to talk about the fact that Jesus has changed our lives. We need to talk about the fact that Jesus has touched our lives. We need to talk about what we learned in our Bible study, when we learned at, at Wiki's Thursday night or my Sunday morning or in worship. We need to tell people about Jesus. 
Because people need to hear about Jesus. And if we don't tell them, perhaps nobody will. Abide does not mean visit or call one time a week or eat only the parts you like. Abide means to stay and remain and persevere. When I'm training a young teacher at school, I tell them that there's two responsibilities in teaching. One is as the teacher and one is as the student. And when they're brand new teachers and I'm an old dog, and I say that, I'm an old dog, and then I bark, woof, because I'm an old dog, their ears perk up and I say, this is the deal. You are responsible to prepare a delicious meal. You are going to take your topic and prepare a meal for your students to come and enjoy. That's responsibility number one. Responsibility number two is your students have to come hungry. They're not allowed to turn their nose up at your meal and go, well, I ate already, or that doesn't interest me. You have to come hungry to hear the word of God. Come hungry not because you haven't eaten for a week, but because you cannot get enough of the word of God. You cannot get enough of the worship of God, the fellowship of the body, and the work of the body, of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen.